go. Lynx effect. I fucked that massively. You did? Well, I'm not massively, but I probably like, I reckon I'm like a second behind you. Oh, God. In the name of Lucas's poor, poor ointment, get it together. Welcome to F24U, the show about second tier sports car drivers, hosted by second tier sports car analysts. Sports analysts, ah, it's all the same shit. I am your host, Jashan, full off of a belly of calamari and coffee, and joining me as always is my co-host and good friend, the Matterfor, Matradamus, the ever omnipotent Matthew Hume. How are you feeling? Omniscient. Fuck words. Well, let me just check my notes here, Jashan. And uh, uh, yes, I can see here that um, actually uh, your podcast intro has been um, deleted for a track limits violation. Oh, shit. So that's just, you're going to have to try that again. That, that's gone. That's scrubbed from the record. You've, you've exceeded track limits at the uh, exit of turn nine. Fucking, I got, so I got you're, omnipotent you're mixed up with omniscient. That's really annoying. Oh, you're, you're, no, that's a, that's a track limits violation, my friend. That's, you're gone. Fair enough. Lap time deleted. Wait, do I have as many, uh, track, uh, track limitation thing where Bobby's is estimate? Oh, con, words failed! Do you, do you actually want to, do you actually want to start again and learn how to speak English? No! No, we're diving in, we're going for No it. one, no one has as many track limit violations as Esteban Ocon, who I believe is still getting penalties as we speak. I did see a meme on F1 troll, was like, yeah, Esteban Ocon, when he starts the Austrian Grand Prix, seven years in the past. Yes. <laughs> in the future or whatever it is. Doesn't matter. We're not here to talk about Esteban Ocon. He's French and he's in the top tier or Formula 1, whereas here today, we are talking about the second tier of motorsport. It is Formula 2, but yes, the Austrian... In fairness, I think they actually had less track limit violations, so maybe they are actually the top tier. <laughs> or maybe their cars just don't go as fast, so they don't have to deal with as much runoff. I don't know. It doesn't I'm matter. I'm not going to stand for that. I'm, I'm not... St- I'm just... I've, I refuse to accept that as an explanation. Fair enough. I understand, Matthew. Clearly... Brad Benavidez is better than Charles Leclerc. Foreshadowing. Uh, let's <laughs> Before we talk about Brad Benavidez and his many talents, Matthew, shall you give us a quick breakdown of the third tier of single-seater racing? I absolutely shall. Now, Jashan, I've been seeing a routine here. What goes on down in the old third tier of the pipeline to Formula One? Zach O'Sullivan, he would win the feature race and take the biggest haul of points from the weekend. Kaya Collette would somehow end up on both fucking podiums, Fuck considering yeah. he's only scored points in two other races this year. Respect. But I'll give you one guess as to who took the third most points of the weekend. Dino Boganovic. No, it's Gabriel Bordaletto. It's always no, Gabriel Bordaletto. The ever consistent... He sneaked a point... He's... He sneaked a point in the sprint, and for the first time actually since Melbourne, um, in the second round of the year, first time in three weekends, he actually made his way back to the feature race podium. He finished P2 to O'Sullivan, uh, and he just, I'll get to say, he's just 
so far ahead of... I, there's almost... I just... If he doesn't win this championship, I'll be genuinely gobsmacked. Uh, in the sprint, however, quick look at qualifying. It was actually a bit of a surprise on Gabriel Saucy. Put it yeah. on, I believe. Gregoire Saucy. We uh, had... Oh. Quick question. Are you aioli or tartare sauce? Um, Both. They're, they've got different uses for different things. Ooh. Aioli, obviously, much more variety, but, like... Mm-hmm. I'm going to put tartare sauce on, like, seafood. I'm not going to put aioli on it. Aioli goes on, like, the chips and then multiple other things. But, obviously, tartare for seafood. There you go. All right. Mm. He's a man of variety. Indeed. Uh, yeah, so, a bit of a spice. I can't quite remember whether this was a wet session or not, like F2's was. Uh, a bit of foreshadowing there. But, yeah, Saucy on pole had a Beganovich, Bordoletto, uh, Paul Aaron, a good qualifying from Coletta in fifth. Zoss was sixth. Colapinto, Gertha, Frederick, Mansell. And then the sprint race front row would be Gabrielli Mini and Jose Martin. Are you, uh, couple of guys maybe a bit out of position. Browning, 14th. Montoya, 15th. Uh, Edgar just continues to Johnny Edgar. I'd be really surprised if he moves forward. He was 16th. Solov is continuing a really slow start to this category. He was P17. Yeah, I think that was the main collection of more or less everyone. Yeah, on to the sprint, and it was Paul Aaron taking the win, which I think might be his second win of the season, but don't hold me to oh, that. Shout out to Mercedes. It is... He's set, no, first first win of the season for Paul Aaron, yet yeah, the Mercedes Junior, but he's been starting to be there or thereabouts the last few rounds. This is his second... Third podium, sorry, of the season after the sprint in Melbourne... And the feature in Monaco. Ah, yes, Monaco. Um, and he's on, starting to get on a good run. Uh, this capped off a streak of seven straight point-scoring finishes dating back to the sprint in Melbourne. However, he would fail to score points in the feature here. Bringing that to an end. P2 was Gabrielli Mini, who, as we've said before, when he stays on track and you know doesn't have any weird silly errors or penalties... Is incredibly quick and normally brings some big points. Then was Kyle Collette, Zach O'Sullivan, Johnny Edgar from that P16 qualifying spot ended up P5 because not bad. It was a weird weekend for results across both categories. There was a lot of just everything going on in these races. Um, Callum Frederick P7, Beganovich P8, Montoya and Bortoletto, as I mentioned, sneaking in that final point. A couple of guys who did miss out, Colapinto. Uh, Christian Mantle, who was sort of hanging there or thereabouts all weekend, but he went backwards a little bit. Gertha, or oh, had a, had something happen, he went off, um, and he finished mm. way, way down the back. And it was not a good weekend at all for Taylor Barnard after I anointed him the man for the future um, on the previous edition of this podcast, I believe. He had an absolutely dismal weekend. Roll about the feature, and much like what we would got to see in the F2 version as well, this was definitely action-packed. I am regretting the fact that I have not had time this week with a busy uh, work schedule in the run-up to the FIFA Women's World Cup out of my job um, mm. to rewatch the highlights of this to pin down a couple of key things. But I know I can still remember a couple of things that went on, but it was Zoss who took the race with a really, really solid drive. Lord knows what the fuck... Oh, I'm going to guess that Gregor Saucy must have had some kind of contact because he finished two laps down in 27th, last car running... Paul Aaron was way down in 25th, Frederick 26th. There was a lot of guys way, way out in this, but it was Zoss who took the win. It had a Gabriel Bortoletto, Kyo Collette, as I mentioned, on the podium. Colapinto Beganovich. Johnny Yeager got P6. What a man. Why not? 
Uh, and then the the wildest string here. Christian Mansell, P7. So that's one Australian in the points. Fuck yeah. Uh, Hugh Barter, scoring his first ever F3 points in 8th. That's another Australian in the points. Uh, Pepe Marty, who I reckon drove up to about P8, then went off the track, and then was back down to like P12, and then drove back up to uh, P8 or so, and then pretty sure he went off the track again, and then got back to like 11th or something, and then a couple of other guys had incidents, and he snuck in and managed to get P9 and get a couple of points. Uh, and then from last position on the grid, I believe, uh, Leonardo Fornaroli managed to finish 10th, just ahead of his teammate Oli Gertha, to pick up the one point. The big thing here was... Mon- Is it related to Bruno? Yes. Sebastian okay. Montoya was well in this. He was either racing Caio Collette for third, I think it was Colapinto for fourth, with a couple of laps to go, and tried to hang a move around the outside of, what would it be? Is it turn, I think it's, what, turn like five, six? The one that now does have the gravel trap on the outside that we mentioned on RTG, where, where Awasa made his moves throughout the weekend. And just, I don't know, just a bit of contact between them, which sort of sent him off in the gravel. And he seemed to take fault for it. So whether he just felt he didn't give Colopinto enough space on the inside or just shouldn't have gone for it there at that point or something. But unfortunately, yeah, he was looking a possibility for the podium. Certainly, he was going to get a really good top five result and unfortunately binned it there. And yeah, it ended up being some weird results. But as ever, even with weird results, Bordelato scraped a point, as I said, in the sprint. Took big points in the feature. He well, he extended his championship lead because he took significantly more points than his nearest rival, Pepe Marti. The only men who outscored him were Zach O'Sullivan, who has now launched himself with this feature race win and what he's now actually his third win of the season, which puts him equal with Pepe Marti. They've both won two sprints in a feature. Uh, so they're the two most prolific winners so far this season, but both miles behind Bortoletto, who has two feature wins and a feature race second place. Um, but yeah, Zella, Sullivan was a fair way back before he took the big 32 points this weekend. And the other man who outscored Bordoletto was Kaya Collette, who moved himself from 10 points in the championship to 33 points in the championship and a massive 11th place. Although admittedly, he did gain five or six spots in the standings by doing so. So fair play. But yeah, so Bordoletto is on 111 points after five rounds with four rounds remaining. He has just about an entire round's lead over Pepe Marti and Dino Boganovic, who are both on 75. Zach O'Sullivan hot on their tail on 73. The only other guy I think I could say could be in championship contention, Gabriel Mini on 65. Really, for me, the next three, including Mini, are guys all in the race for P2 with Marti, Boganovic, O'Sullivan. Paul Aaron also on 65. Colapinto is on 60. I don't think anyone else from there has any hope of finishing higher than... Sixth, probably. Saucy has 49. Browning, 38. Fornaroli, 37. These are all guys. A lot of them will be around, I think, guys of Fornaroli, Montoya, Gertha, Browning, all in their rookie seasons. They'll be back next year. They could be some of the heavy hitters. These are the guys who will be making up the Premo Trident ART teams next year. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it's... I... It's absolutely Bordoletto's championship to lose. I don't really see how he could possibly lose it. And we that's a big it's time to, for you to start doing your Gabriella Bordoletto homework because he will be in F2 next season. There is zero chance. He, if he's not, then do away with the entire junior category system because what's the point? <laughs> he is going to barnstorm to this championship. And I'm still not convinced he's the fastest guy in this category. 
but Lord knows he is the most ready to move up because he he just seems like he's the finished product already. He's just fair fucking constantly dude. there. Yeah, that was F three. He's not he's not Academy affiliated, is he? I don't believe he is, which is, oh. I think the trying to think the first time I've seen a free agent having this level of domination in F three since um, Logan Sargent was racing against. Um, Piastri back in 2020. Ah, uh, the glorious days. Because Hauger, Hauger was back. 2021, um, and he was Red Bull. Last year, it was Martens, Behrman, Mal- uh, well, Maloney was a free agent, but Martens sort of Behrman, um, Hadjar even, who were Alpine, Red Bull, Ferrari. But yeah, Bordoletto is a free agent. I believe Marty is a free agent. So the top two in the standings, both unaffiliated. No fucking shit. Um, well, watch them both become Red Bull affiliates next I year. I guarantee so there is no way either of them will be outside of an academy um, next year. If I'm Ferrari, I'm picking up one of them because they're only academy prospect in this... Oh, sorry, Beganovich is P3. Well, Beganovich, yes. yeah. Who is, in theory, a prodigious talent. Just yes, hasn't quite but, you know, that's the only one around after Behrman, so... I think Dino is what, like, he's 17, isn't he? About that age. Do you know Began- oh, so Dino Beganovich is 19. They need, they no need someone to replace Antonelli after he jumps ship to Mercedes. Yeah, of course. Um, All right, well, yes. beyond moving past potential future Academy prospects and the disappointing Dino Beganovich, Matthew, we're here to talk about Formula 2. We are. The second tier, and there's lots to talk about. The Austrian Grand Prix did not fail to deliver. Um, it was quite entertaining from start to finish. Uh, some wetness helped with that, of course, but some very uh, interesting results to speak of. And Matt, before we get into the racing itself, there's some news I'd like to uh, run by you. Oh, always here for this. Yes, yeah, so let's get into the news. Not necessarily news news, but uh, driver profile news. All right? <laughs> Our favorite segment. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Um, this is good stuff. Would you rather with Jack Dewan? Oh, fuck yeah, this is what I've been waiting for. Yes. Um, first of all, can I just confirm now that uh, sh- shaved head Jack Dewan is much better than um, puffy head Jack Dewan. I think it's we can we can agree on that. Sure, he, has he like reshaved his head or something? Is that what you're hinting at? No, just, no. But I just, he was just better out? last year. He, he showed promise this oh, weekend. So, but right. I, regardless. Um, I just want I'm, I'm going to post these uh, a few of these to you, and I want you to pick... Which one do you think he will uh, he will answer? Let's see how in tune you are with your fellow Australian. All right, skip way to cardio. Fuck that. Uh, home or Monaco Grand Prix victory? What do you think Jackie has answered? If you? it's not home, I just fucking tear up his citizenship. You are correct. Home race for sure. Fuck yeah. Especially being from Australia. I've only ever had one to date. Fortunately, I live in Monaco as my base away from home, but I don't have any family there and don't have any friends. <laughs> Fuck. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Just full stop, end of sentence there. Doesn't have any friends. <laughs> yeah. Uh, understeer or oversteer? Over. Yep, correct. Oversteer 100% is his answer. You're two from two so far. He's living up to his name as the Matt Stradamus is he, today. Is he a weights guy? I feel like he'd be a weights guy. No, he's oh, he card- oh, mate, he's getting better and better. He's three from three in terms of answering correctly mm. these questions. Give up your favorite meal for a year or eat it every day for a year. The thinking man answer is give it up. 
but I don't know mm. whether I think Jack Dylan's the thinking man, so I'm going to go with Eat It. You are correct again. Oh, that's his you first are killing misstep. it. Guess how fucking terrible. <laughs> his favorite meal is crispy rice. Nice. The rice is in a square with tuna and tartar on it with some soy sauce. I could smash that all day. No worries. 365 days. I'd be very happy if I could do that. Okay, when you, if you've just got a boring athlete meal as your favorite meal, then fair enough. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> just fucking tuna and rice, brother. Can't go wrong. Uh, let me see. Too hot or too cold? Is it too hot? No, you've had your I'm first wrong, misstep. He is right. Jack Doohan has only answered one of these questions incorrectly so far. Mm-hmm. The answer is too cold. When you're too hot, what can you do? You can go to cryotherapy or sit in an ice bath. You can only take off so many layers of clothing to cool yourself down, and when it's too hot, it's too hot. When it's too cold, Jack you can at Dude least get has towed the actual fucking line. He's mm-hmm. Not only has he gone with too cold... He's given the actual answer of why the answer can never be too hot. All right. He said that that's ah. Oh, this I'm, man is <laughs> this man is about to dethrone Ollie Behrman as back into the top favorite driver in the category spot. <laughs> this is an impressive performance. All right, just a few more. Rock or hip hop? He's got to be a hip hop bloke. You are correct. He's a hip hop guy. Uh, he cannot. He he has no. He can't explain to. He can't explain that he's just never listened to rock music, which is interesting because I, I feel like his dad, Mick Dillon, would be a massive rockhead. Oh, surely Mick Dillon. Mick Dillon's gonna be a massive rock guy. Maybe that's Definitely why he likes listens to some like Akadaka. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Teleportation or ability to read people's minds. Teleportation. You are correct. Very nicely done. Um. <laughs> Literally on Thursday morning at like 9am on race weekends I can teleport to the country I can be at the track at 9.45 I'd still get to sleep in my own bed Fair or fuck enough I get that uh, Win the Indy 500 or 24 hours of Le Mans Ooh, this, is oddest, this is the hardest question in the whole fucking thing I think um, oh, I'm trying to think who we had last one about. Oh, what means more to it? I'm going to guess Le Mans, maybe. But I reckon there's a good chance it's 500. Le Mans? No, it's the Indy 500. Yeah. And I quote, I'd choose the chocolate milk. I'd demolish that for sure. Nah, that's a good, that's a good thought. I, I hadn't thought about the drinking of the milk. That's a big incentive. Indeed. All right. And that brings us to our next two profiles. Um, so I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. Because I want to kind of compare the pair. Same age, same income, Aha, same yes. super contribution. All right, we'll, 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 we'll boil it down to a few little fun bits. So one of these is Brad Benavides. One of them is Zane Maloney, all right? So that's who we're talking about here, boys. You're going to make me guess which is which? Yes. Two athletes on very different sides of the talent spectrum, it must be said. All right. Oh, well, uh, the other's a highly prodigious driver who is going to one-day race in F1, and the other's Zane Maloney. So, you know. <laughs> All right, which okay, this athlete believes that Conor McGregor is his favorite athlete out of uh, motorsport. So um, he likes him because he came into UFC with no money, worked very hard to make his dream happen. He shocked the world and made the UFC so much bigger. Is that Zane Maloney or Brad Benavides? So I don't get to hear the other person's answer, or did they no. give different sort of answers for? Well, they get the same set of um, questions. I'm going or... to give you one. You pick who you think it is, and then I'll tell you who the other answer is. I. 
Oh, I don't rep- I'm going to go on the record to say I think that's a shitty way to do the format. I think it's better if you give me both answers and I try to assign them, but fair enough. I'm doing it on the fly, Matthew. You've got to go. You've got to run with it. You've got to Mate, run with it like uh, a river. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not getting, I'm not getting enough parameters to be able to answer the questions because I could go, oh, that sounds like a Zane Maloney thing. Then you could give me the other answer and I'd be like, okay, well, that's definitely a Zane Maloney. This is a bullshit system <laughs> um, and I won't stand for it. Conor McGregor as his favourite athlete outside the sport. I want that to be a Brad Benavidez thing, so I'm going to say Brad Benavidez and just be really disappointed when it is Zane Maloney. <sighs> Alas, it is indeed Zane Maloney. Zane Maloney is a big Conor McGregor fan. <sighs> Fucking child. <laughs> well, they are all children, yes. They're all very young, Matthew, and we're very old. Brad Benavidez, on the other hand, is a big fan of Mike Tyson and, would you believe it, Lionel Messi. They all love Lionel Messi. Ah, God damn it. All right. You know what? That might actually be worse, a worse answer than Conor McGregor, so you never know. Never, <laughs> never mind. All righty. This person's friends on the grid and around the grid Ah. Pepe Marty and Jack Doohan. Which one is it? That's it. Yep. That is rough. Apparently they used to play video games with Jack Doohan. Um, I'm gonna guess that's Benavides. You are correct. That is Brad Benavides. Very well done. Um, he likes the Spanish drivers in general, apparently. That's why he likes Pepe Marty and, and Doohan is the man he used to play uh, video games with Jack, back in uh, the day. Jack Doohan, choosing his friends strategically as the ones who are zero threat to him. Yes. Um, uh, Zane's best friend on the grid is the man he refers to as Little Shark, which is Enzo Fittipaldi. Uh, he also his teammate. I know. How cute. Uh, he also gets along well with Roman Stanek, so there you go. All right. I'll do a couple more. What is your favorite cheat meal? This person answers with sushi. Mostly chick, mostly chicken sushi, which he considers fake sushi, but it's still sushi, which he considers amazing. Oh, I reckon that's a, that's a Zane Maloney answer. Ah, he's found his form again. That is correct. It is indeed Zane Maloney. And is a big fan of fake sushi myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Brad Benavides' uh, cheat meal is pepperoni. Loves himself a pizza. And the last one I'm going to do... Oh, okay. Like, that, that, or just, like, pepperoni in its raw form? No, pepperoni pizza. Okay, because I was like, I'm just loving the idea of Brad Benavides just there, like, <laughs> on his couch with, like, a knife, just cutting off strips of pepperoni. <laughs> no, he's eating it straight out, like, no knife. He's just chomping <laughs> it, Just bro. taking bites from the <laughs> stick? Yes. Oh, that's fucking... That's, that's, that's hardcore. That's hardcore shit right there. What was the last song you listened to? This person's last song was... Oh, I couldn't tell you. I don't listen to much music. A lot of drivers, I find, really need certain music to get them in the right mood, but it doesn't work for me. I put on my headphones and play anything. More so just to not hear the cars being started up in the background because it becomes quite loud. God, I hope this is Brad Benavidez. Is that your final answer? Yeah. You are incorrect. This is Zane Maloney. Oh, Zane's let us all down. He doesn't really care for music, that uh, is. Yes. Oh, that's honestly, kids, as you grow up in life, there's a very simple way to start weeding out people. The biggest red flag you can come across, if they're like, I just don't really care for music, that's just, they're not worth knowing. I know, right? It's no good. Great race car driver. Love watching him on track. Don't think I'd want to be friends with Zane Maloney. That's disappointing to learn, but yeah. such is life. Brad Benavidez listens to Reggaeton. 
Reggaeton? Reggae. Right, he listens to reggae. <laughs> you know what? For the second time in this podcast, Zay Maloney has given a terrible answer, but somehow the better answer of the two. <laughs> not a Bob Marley fan, Matthew, huh? Oh, look, I, re- I respect the art form, but uh, not for me. Three little birds. Oh, that's all right. Well, that was that was the, the only um... reggae I like is the reggae shark. <laughs> that's a classic, mate. Reggae shark. Reggae shark is real. You go to bed with the seal. <laughs> oh, okay. That's enough of the news. Not really news, but we did our best. Matthew, can you classic. give us a quick rundown of qualifying, please? Yeah, absolutely. Now, this was a bit of a interesting session um as we saw with a lot of categories across the whole week and this was deleted lap times galore to the point and this is an exact quote from ollie bearman um who did a uh the he was last weekend's uh weekend in his words column Mm. uh and on his p19 and qualifying he just basically got all my laps deleted which is of course really annoying i was aware of that (laughs) but i didn't think i was out i knew it was closed but clearly it was just about over that's really 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 because we had i think meant to be really 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 annoying because we had the pace to do better today premise pace was crazy this weekend oh absolutely he just every single time he put in a pretty solid lap and i'll be like yeah we go that's the time on the board and about 30 seconds later i just watched his name tumble down the timesheets as it got deleted again and i was like oh, for fuck's sake and then it happened the one final time with like seconds to go and qualifying and i was like oh he's actually fucking qualified by t <laughs> fuck fuck's sake yep yes he did I was so ready for this to be a shitty weekend for Bearman. Alas, it turned out to be quite a good one, but mm, yeah, yeah. bad start. It's almost as if he's the most talented driver in the category. Uh, yes, but the qualifying results, the men who overcame the obstacles of keeping it between the white lines, the qualifying extraordinaire, he's clearly Mr. Friday in this category. Hmm. Um, and then has about as much luck on a Saturday and Sunday as Mr. Saturday used to have on Sundays in F1. Victor Martins took the pole ahead of Fred Vesti, who, as we'll continue through this weekend, this is very quickly, and obviously form can change in an absolute drop of a dime in F2, but right now, for the last couple of months, it is Fred Vesti's category, and everyone else is just racing in it. Um, Once again... You disagree with the fact that the man who has been clearly the pick of the drivers for three straight weekends, you don't think it's his category and everyone else is racing in it. He got outscored by Ayumu Owasa this weekend. He did, and you know for a fact that Owasa got fantastically lucky with that safety car. Yes, but it was still some sexy-ass driving. Oh, it was some sexy-ass driving, but without the safety car, Fred Vesti wins that race by over six seconds. Correct. Vesti's definitely been the the most consistent, and he clearly has the funniest fans. Did you see that flag his fans were waving? I didn't. Did you... Was that the one you mentioned to me about being, like, invested or something? Hold on. uh, Let me get it up. It's going to be my header for this weekend's uh, blog post. Check my uh, WordPress. Shout out to WordPress. Uh, sponsoring all our content, online onlinehubmedia.com if you want to check out the podcast. All three of the podcasts are up there, and they're all fantastic, especially this one at the moment. We've got some good vibes today, but no, the uh, flag said it's Vesti Bestie against the Resty. Hashtag oh, Vesti. That is pretty good. Uh, but yeah, so he was P2. Teo Porsche very solid P3. Uh, Kush Mai in P4. 
Um, hands up if you thought, particularly even after the first weekend when he was on top of the world, uh, hands up if you thought Kushmani was going to comfortably just run the table with Ralph Boschong this season in that campus. My hand is up. No, it's not. I'm joking. It's crazy. <laughs> remember it, remember it like the end of last season, start of this season, when we were discussing the grid, and we're like, oh, look, Benavidez, Kushmani. Definitely the two early contenders for not quite sure why he's in the category, but here he is. <laughs> Kushmani, mate. Watch as I pick Kushmani to finish top three next season. Remember when Brav Boshung won a race at the start of the season? I know, eh? <laughs> Honestly, Kushmani, I'd love to see Kushmani in a Premier next year. I just think that'd be a cool, that'd be dope. cool thing. Uh, Doom was fifth. Fitter Pouty, this was big for him. He's not been great in qualifying ever, really. Um, and he put it up there in P6. Cordiel continues his now hot streak of really good one-lap pace. Um, he's the Nico Hulkenberg of the category. Uh, brilliant over one lap. Let's just not talk about the races. Uh, who even cares about races? They're not important. Uh, Arthur Leclerc in eighth. Deruvala and Crawford on the sprint race um, front row. Just a couple key players. Vashor qualified 11th. Correa 12th. Hauger P13. Maloney, I think, would be a bit disappointed with the P15. Owasa would be mad disappointed with P16, but would have a much better Sunday. Uh, Ollie Behrman, I've already mentioned, he's P19. Always fun to see Ollie Behrman starting below Brad Benavidez. Uh, but even worse than that, Clement Novelak in P20 and Isaac Hadjar just continues to really struggle to come to grips with this category at the moment. P21. But as I mentioned, it was Daruvala P9 to start P2 and Jack Crawford down in P10 starting the sprint race on pole position. Was that a... Jamaica, what was that accent? Uh, it was an accent. I can tell you that for free. <laughs> Can't confirm it was an accent. All right. Uh, good segue. I'll, I'll jump to the sprint race now. Let's talk some fucking on-track action, boys. Uh, difficult You're conditions. You're right, because qualifying takes place in space. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> space qualifying. Uh, yes. That's nice. actually with the new um, Cars sequel, Cars 5. Uh, oh, Interstellar is nice. going to be... Uh, I was actually thinking that's where the next Grand Prix to get added to the calendar is going to be. It's going to be on like, the moon or something. <laughs> no, it's going to be another one in America. Come on. Let's, let's be real. All the Middle East. True. Uh, but yes, uh, difficult conditions in the sprint race. Wet, but not soggy. So we had some guys on wet tyres. Damp. Damp, I think, was the best way to describe that's it. That's a good call. But it, it confused a lot of these teams because we had some of the drivers on complete wets, like full wets. And some drivers on slicks. It was weird, because, like, it didn't really look visibly... It was one of those ones where, like, visibly it didn't look wet. Yeah. But you could see some spray coming up in some spots. You're like, okay, it is. And, yeah, it's the, it's the big thing, just before, you know, you launch into it, just that. Obviously, F2, the two junior categories, do not have an intermediate tyre like Formula 1 does. So you're either mm. all in on the full wets or you're on slicks, which means there's this huge period on a racetrack... The really, because full wets need a full wet racetrack, otherwise they start to degrade really quickly and not really provide the grip. They need there's not nearly enough of a contact patch. They're designed to displace water, and if there's no water to displace, you've just got a tire that's not got as much of a contact surface as a slick or whatever. And obviously, a slick, if there's a bit of water on the track, then you've just got no grip. Um, so yeah, it was a real fifty-fifty for which way you started. It was a doozy. It was a big old doozy, and yeah, Jack Crawford um, obviously started on pole. He chose the slicks. Um, some other notable guys, Jack Dillon chose the slicks, and Jahan Daruvula chose the slicks, and it became pretty clear pretty early on that that was the incorrect decision. 
Dylan would go off onto the gravel and yeet himself back down the order, and Yehan Deruvula would kind of spin out and cause safety car number one for this race pretty early on in the first few corners. Meanwhile, yes. oh, we saw a pretty nice overtake by Arthur Leclerc, who had the wets on yeah, uh, Crawford. He was on fire. That was really sexy. There were some really nice overtakes this weekend in actuality. But then, um, <laughs> yes, uh, the, the eating continued because obviously, yeah, the safety car comes out. The restart comes out on lap five. And it became clear on this restart that the wets were now the wrong tyre to be on. Well, I don't know about that. I think it was just Richard Vachon needs to learn to stand between the white lines. <laughs> yeah, Vachon instantly goes off here. Uh, this is this is the highlight of my spirit race notes because my notes just go Deruvula spins SC <laughs> for sure just proper fucks it SC <laughs> like we got one corner we made it one corner it was just up oh, safety car again uh, then boys let's try that again yeah yeah let's, let's give that another go but um you know a few of the guys did choose to move off of their wets onto the slicks namely Teo Pocher. Frederick Vesti and Dennis Hauger all stopping for uh, during that first safety car. These are all guys um, around and about the points. Leclerc stayed out and held the lead on the restart with those wet boys of him. Um, but yes, Vishal obviously went over that sausage curve, spun off at the exit of turn one, and yeah, another safety car. Here we go. Um, and this is when Leclerc chose to pit. Uh, which handed the lead back to Jackie Crawford ahead of Juan Manuel Correa, by the way, just casually. Yeah. Juan out there doing some cheeky stuff. But back Great to racing race on lap one. eight. Um, and we had some good driving here. This is when the race really started in earnest. We had um, a three-wide situation up the hill there between Cushmine, Zane Maloney, and Enzo Fittipaldi, which is worth uh, watching. Maloney dove down the inside through on both, but then kind of dropped back down the order. As the, uh, as the track dried and the wets he had on became uh, less and less ideal. It, it kind of felt like, after that restart, yeah, like Crawford Correa and that were like sort of out the front. And then for a second there, it seemed like basically every single one of the other 20 cars was in like the same like 10 meter section of racetrack. It was just everyone was in that camera shot, all like three or four wide. It was fucking sick. Um, it was, it's a great camera shot. Fantastic that there wasn't a crazy crash, obviously, because it, it led to some pretty entertaining uh, racing. Uh, Victor Martins, who we'll probably talk about a fair bit this podcast, as we always do. The man, he's a confusing man, but he... The enigma. Yes, he really is quite enigmatic. But he, he made a nice pass into third place and then was kind of closing in on one minimal Correa and eventually would pass the veteran... Uh, up the up the inside of turn three in another nice move. So Victor looking good early on here. Uh, Clement Novelak, who's not a guy we've really spoken about uh, a whole lot this season. He's kind of taken up that place that we thought Kushmani would be in of just being a perennial yeah. backmarker. He's only had the one point scoring finish coming exact into the Mundo, but he uh, was a beneficiary of the softs. He'd already made up sixteen places. Uh, so far, courtesy of everyone pitting and and people going off and and things like this. But uh, he dispatched Isaac Hadjar for fourth and, again, soon caught up to Correa. And on lap 18, you know, after, you know, we had a few little mini battles here and there, but things had kind of settled down, Novelak would eventually make that move on Correa to take third. Uh, which Isaac Hadjar, again, another guy we haven't really spoken about this season. He hasn't really adapted particularly well to Formula 2. Also made the pass on Mr. Correa to take fourth. And Fittipaldi... Um, 
the little shark, as he is apparently known, which is cute. Maybe he is the reggae shark. Uh, who knows? I can see him listening to reggae somehow. I'm not too sure. But uh, he, he he showed good pace this weekend at Enzo, but it wasn't really... Oh, big time. It wasn't a B for him uh, all weekend. We'll get to that in the feature later. But he spun out between turns three and four after catching the grass, and that gave us a virtual safety car for two laps, which kind of, you know, compresses the field a little bit, uh, uh, opens up some questions to be asked. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Um, we had Oli Behrman, who had fought his way back, back up into the points, kind of in that bottom end there. I think P8 he was. But he couldn't quite hold on to a scoring finish after some impressive driving, obviously starting P19. Incorrect. Um, he wow. had overtaken Hauger earlier on in the race, but uh, Hauger would repay the favour to regain 8th position late on due to a classic switchback. Very nice stuff. And then Hauger would move on to get the run on Jack Doohan to take 7th on the final lap, Matthew. We love final we lap overtakes. We do. We do indeed. But uh, overall, Jackie Crawford, maiden victory. He, this guy loves a sprint race, it must be he said. Does. Oh, he's that quick. He is. He is this year's quintessential. Just expect him to kind of qualify P nine, P ten. Yeah. So he's just kind of a relevant player in every sprint race by virtue of the fact that he's always starting in the first couple of rows in the sprints. Yeah. Whether or not he stays there is always a mystery. But he's always going to be up there for at least the first few laps. Exactly, Mundo. But uh, yeah, happy boy, Red Bull Ring. He's a Red Bull Academy driver, of course. Gets his maiden victory in F two, which is awesome. Victor Martins would hold on to P two. And Hadjar gets a much-needed podium and much-needed points there in P3, ahead of Correa with some handy points for VAR. Stanek, out of nowhere... By the way, must be said, Novelak actually finished third, just casually. Don't forget about Clement. Yes. Unfortunately for Trident, they didn't pump up the tires enough. Classic banter. They should have taken tips from my dad. Fun fact, my dad loves pumping up his tires. It's arguably his favorite hobby. Uh, Trident, not so keen on it, so their tyre pressure was not up to snuff, and Novelak got literally disqualified, so you hate to see it. Breaching Still up. got one point scoring finish for the year. <laughs> I know! <laughs> you hate to see it. Uh, yeah, disqualified for breaching Article 12.9 of the regulations there. So yeah, Hadjar would inherit third, Correa fourth, Stanek handy points in P5, Dennis Hauger would elevate up to P6, Duin P7, and Behrman would graciously get the last point scoring position in P8 ahead of Vesti and Nassani in P10 there. Uh, any notes from this bad boy, Matt, that you want to talk well, about? Well, the only other thing I possibly have to add, just with the Fittipaldi spin, um, he was pretty pretty well run off the road out of turn four by Miney, which is what kind of caused it. He came down and yeah. quite hard, squeezed him onto the grass, and obviously wet grass, slick tyres, round he went. Not sure whether or not Miney got a penalty from that. but He got a drive-through, which he did yeah, not take, okay. so yeah. event eventually got a 20-second tyre penalty, which demoted him from P12 to P16. There we go. Um, so, yeah, just yeah, this is just a sign of things to come for Fiddy in terms of his kind of luck this weekend. But this has got to be one of the strangest points... Um, point scoring like runs of any race I've ever watched because obviously with the anomalous that Victor Martins is really not the overall points package of what his pace has been this season mm. the championship contenders scored a collective one point from this race yeah I know because I think obviously as a, as a Premier guy this year I'm sitting here I'm like oh is great. Neither of them are even going to get points, but it didn't fucking matter because you know Bamin snuck in with that eighth with the um, novel like penalty. Bestie obviously ninth, no points, but it's fine because Awasa was eleventh, no points. 
Porsche was 14th, no points. Yeah. Like, they just... All the guys we expect to see running up the front, because that's the thing. These were all... Basically, every championship contender kind of went for the safer call and put it on wets. Yeah. And it was very clear this way. It's the guys who started on slicks and then didn't have to pit who were the big beneficiaries because they just found their way move forward up the grid. So it's really weird to see, a like, a top eight with effectively without any of the Prema boys, Porsche, Anawasa, the guys who've been really heavy hitting. Yeah. And, I mean, even, like, because, uh, oh, it's who else... For sure wasn't in those points. He obviously, because he's been, he's now top five and the things. Like, yeah, there was a lot of guys who, yeah, just a really weird standings to see some of the names up. Particularly Correa getting good points. Yeah, Hadjar getting good points. Crawford the win. Stanek in there. Um, it was just a really surreal um, sort of result to see. Well, you know what else is surreal? So, uh, Fittipaldi, by the way, also got a three-place grid drop for his next race for a collision with Miney. So, him and Miney had some moments this race. But Ralph Boschung finished P18 and then got a 10-second penalty, um, I think, for track limits. But uh, <laughs> the 10-second pen took him from 18th to 17th as a result of Novelax disqualification. disqualification. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. We love to see it. We oh, love to see it. But I believe that takes us to the feature, Matthew Hume. It does. And this was not the craziest race we've ever seen, but pretty action-packed. Good, good, I know. Obviously, that front row of Vesti and Martens, and it was Vesti who absolutely just bossed the start in a very early sign of just the way this entire race would go. Um, brilliant getaway from Vesti. Martens, a little bit of a mixed one. He slipped, obviously, behind Vesti, also behind his teammate, Porsche. Um, then, I can't remember whether it was on lap one or a couple of laps in. Kushmani, on the run-up into turn four, he forced a move on Victor Martens to move up to P3 himself. And then Jack Dude was like, oh, yeah, I'll have a piece of that. I'll follow you on through. <laughs> and then I'll just get a way better run out of you. And I'm just going to take you down into turn five. How fucking get that up ya? Get that up ya! Get that up ya, mate. Um, so, yeah, all of a sudden, Jack Dune was up on to the podium. Uh, and then, admittedly, not too much happened from sort of those first couple of laps into sort of the lap 8-ish kind of end of the, yeah, for the lap 7-8 window when we started to see all the soft runners, the main strategy runners, come into pit, uh, which left us of a running order of the alt runners of Fittipaldi up front ahead of Vashur, Owasa, Leclerc, Stanek, I believe at the start of the pit stops, Hadjar and Crawford were both still in front of Behrman, although he would soon clear both of them as he tried to make a move forward from P19 on the grid. So yeah, Behrman, Hadjar, Crawford, those were the eight guys on the alt strategy. Um, it was, that's the thing, they were out there for well and truly, this was a 40 lap race, well and truly long enough on those tyres that by the time they were pitting, Vesti and, you know, Porsche and all of them had been starting to well and truly move through. I believe Vesti had even cleared Stanek. So I think Vesti was P5 by the time the top four pitted. It was on about lap 27, lap 28, that Leclerc would come in to make his stop. I believe by this stage, Stanek had pitted. Bamming came in at the same time as Leclerc. Hadjar Crawford had also had. The only ones who were still out were Fittipaldi and Vashore, and I think Awasa was actually about to come in himself the lap after Leclerc as this was sort of going on. Leclerc pitted. I changed all four tyres. Did the old, didn't quite put one of them on properly because we came down to turn five and uh, the wheel fell off. <laughs> yep. A little bit scary, to be honest, because the way it yeah. came off, it almost like something like caught 
they caught like the last second just on the very end of like the tether or something and like honestly don't quite know how the physics work but that capture that meant that its momentum shifted and it actually took it up and over his car and safely into the gravel because if that was like the right hand side tire and it exited stage left if that had gone the way you'd more expect it to it would have kind of hung in the middle of the racetrack and there was a very real possibility there that um, Bearman who was right behind him could have just gone plowing into that tire so very lucky for him both in a health and safety standpoint and also just in it didn't completely ruin his race kind of thing but obviously that took Leclerc out and it also brought out initially a virtual and then an actual safety car and I'm not completely certain. so I know Owasa was in the pit lane making his stop as this happened I'm really I don't I see at this point I don't know whether Fittipaldi just got fucked and they delivered him a really slow stop or whether he somehow got really unlucky and just wasn't able to came in and came in a lap later or something because obviously he was first Decently comfortably over for sure, and then obviously he said Awasa. But come the restart... He was slightly ahead of the pit lane when it happened. Which is what I thought. But somehow, yeah, Awasa was always choosing to pit, and yeah, Bearman was at, uh, Vashore was able to sneak in. So that's what I thought. I thought he had to run an extra lap, because when it all shook out, Vashore and Awasa would restart P5 and P6. Fittipaldi would restart P9, having been in front of them, um, which kind of really fucked especially considering what we're about to hear, that really fucked what could have been a brilliant race for him otherwise. Um, should have said a couple of things. Bearman was P17 when the caution came out. I think a few guys must have tried to pit, who were further back in the back, pit to put some soft back on or something. Because uh, he was he was P12 in the restart. As I said, we're sure to was a P5, P6. Fiddy was P9. And literally, all of them had gained at least one spot by the time they got to turn four. Yeah, I believe Bearman... And Vashore gained two spots before the end of that first lap, both of them. Um, they were absolutely charging forward. And so this was on about lap 33 that we restarted. And obviously, so Vashore went from P5 to P3 in a space of about five corners. And then he went five laps without making another overtake. He actually took quite a while to really close up onto the back of Doon and Vesti. Which was interesting, because I thought, oh, he's just going to range past them. And I was like, I was holding out all sorts of hope that you obviously, you know, that should be said at this one as well. Vesti had just worked his way through the traffic brilliantly. He was a good five or six seconds clear of Porsche mm. when this caution came out. I, he'd, he'd won the race. There was The only way Vesti wasn't winning this race was with a safety car to bring the alt runners back into it. Yeah. The one thing that could fuck him effectively happened. Um, so I was holding out hope that it might take Vashore a little bit to work through the traffic and Vesti could just hold on. When he got those two spots and two, like, two straight corners, basically, I was like, oh, no, nah, we're in trouble here. Then it took him five laps before he was even able to make a move on Doon. And I was like, well, maybe we're a chance. The second he moved past Doon, Owasa followed him straight through. So they moved up to P2, P3. Um, Bearman had moved all the way through to P5 at this point. And then it only took another lap before Vashore was able to take Vesti. And then pretty much straight away, we saw the same thing. So Vashore uh, would get past them in turn four. Owasa would get a good run up to um, turn five, but not quite be able to go through. But then he'd kind of crisscross and opt to take the outside around turn six. And just with that extra grip, just hang it around the outside. Basically made the same move twice. Um, very, very impressive. Uh, unfortunately, yes, they were both able to get past Vesti. Uh, Bearman, though, was a little bit too far back to really close up to Doon and Vesti, which would mean that Vashore would just about hold off Ayuma Wasa to claim the victory and a big redemption victory for him because obviously we remember 
Last year, it was another year where we had a really strange result at Austria with all the yes. different tire strategies in that. We had, like, Mary way up there and Vashore from fucking nowhere oh, winning the race. Mary. But then, obviously, was disqualified afterwards for not having enough fuel in the car to provide a sample. Mm. This year, they have not taken it away from him. Richard Vashore is your feature race winner in Austria ahead of a Yuma Wawasa and Fred Vesti, who honestly... Drove such a commanding race that I genuinely had a momentary spot where I forgot that Vashora Dawasa beat him. And I said on F, I've confidently said on Rear at the Grid, yeah, Vesti won the race. And he's like, no, he didn't. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, fuck, that's true. Because, like, he just. I know, sort of that. He, like, he was just, like, genuinely. And again, obviously, that's the thing. There was obviously, there's always intangibles in motorsport, but taking the intangibles out. He was genuinely in a class of his own in this feature race. Like, in terms of the bulk of the race, just no one could touch it. He was so far clear of all the guys on the same strategy, all of his championship rivals. And it was just, yeah, this late safety car, which brought a Vashura Nawasa well into it, which shook things up a little bit, but still a P3, more than a good result for him. Doom would be P4, Bam in P5, Fiddy would recover up to P6, but obviously I think we can safely say this is a race when gone begging for Fittipaldi. He was ahead of Awasa and Bashaw, and I think if he restarts ahead of them, he probably stays ahead of them. Uh, Porsche would get P7, Crawford P8, Martins P9, and Jehan Daruvala would just sneak in there for the P10 finish. A good race. Yeah, good race. Not like the greatest race we've ever seen, but by no means disappointing. That's a thing. It was intriguing. It was intriguing with strategy through the midsection. It was fun sort of watching them work through the guys still out there on that alt strategy. And I was starting to play the numbers game of, oh, where do I think Fittipaldi for sure and that will come back out? Where do I think they can work back up to? And then all of a sudden with the safety car, we got what can always be quite fun. Super soft runners working their way back through the harder compound tires in the last couple of laps when made for some good overtaking. Two brilliant moves, as I said, by the last around the outside. So sexy. Easily the moves of the weekend, possibly across all three categories. I'd say so. And just quickly before I go, we go on to the winners and losers, I'll give a quick overview of the standings. This is move Vesti another few points. He took about six more points on Porsche. He's now 20 points clear at the top of the standings on 125 to Porsche's 105. Then we have a Wasa on 101. And. Sorry, I'm looking at that. Yeah, he took nine points on Vesti. On your push out to move that. A Wasa obviously closing up a little bit with his 19 points to move to 101. Behrman, 11 points, moves him to 81. Vishal is the big one. He's jumped forward several spots with a 25 point haul from that feature race win. All of a sudden, he's P5 on 75. Then you've got Hauger, Martins, Fittipaldi. Doing all in the sort of 50 to 60 range. Kushmini, who is now on a four-way... Remember, remember at the end of Monte Carlo when we were yes. five rounds into the championship and we are like, oh, Jumani's only failed to score points twice. Uh, he hasn't scored points since yeah. the future race in Monaco. Although not through a lack of pace. He did look... He quick. showed the pace this weekend. He just got yeeted by a few didn't, different things. Didn't play out. Maloney also hasn't scored points since Monaco... Um, pretty much, yeah, everyone from there down, as we said, now that Martins has sort of moved his way up to seventh, I think the only guy outside of the top 10 that I'd feel in any way inclined to say I could see making a big move up the leaderboard, I think we'd both agree with this. It continues. It will, it will be Zane Maloney right until the point that he doesn't do it for the whole season. Yeah. Because I think we both believe he has 
the raw pace in there that if he gets it unlocked, he can do what he did at the end of last year's F3 season and just go on a hot streak. But, like, other than, like, Leclerc, Crawford, Hadjar starting to get some solidish results, I just don't see any of those guys, at least at this stage, being way up the top of this category. So everyone's starting to work into their positions. Martin should probably be ahead of Hauger and Vashore. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everyone's pretty much in the spot. It kind of feels like they belong at the moment. The guys who should be fighting for this championship are fighting for this championship. Martin's is at least in a more respectable spot for his level of pace. And we're just going to pretend that Jack Dewar never actually competed in F2 and just <laughs> recognize him for the multi-time IndyCar champion that he will eventually be. <laughs> Well, he loves the chocolate milk. He's going to demolish He does shit. love the chocolate uh, Mate, yeah. you're looking at 500. But yeah, let's go through some winners and losers. What do you reckon? You are a winner. You are a loser. Yeah, buddy, winners and losers. It's a very straightforward segment. If you have a brain cell out there, you can figure it out. We're going to name some winners. We're going to name some losers. It's crafty stuff. I'm going to get started because Matthew has been talking for ages and we can't have that. I do that sometimes. Now, can we? Uh, With my winners, shall we say. I'm going to start off strong with Jackie Crawford. All right, first win in Formula 2. At his academy's home, he also got points in the feature for some uh, some handy points for high tech and in in their battle in in the team standings. Obviously, every single point counts as we get. We forgot to mention further. that high tech had put a bid in for F one. <sighs> Wouldn't be called dead, mate. Whoops. Wouldn't be called dead. I mean, look, if it happens, it happens. I'm very excited, but uh, I I just got no faith in the FIA to actually field any Approved more teams. teams. Yes, correct. <laughs> But who knows, maybe we live in a world where in a few years' time we'll have Andretti and Hitech in the sport, and that would be fucking awesome. That would be dope. Who knows? But yeah, Hitech need every point they can get as they try and chase down Campos and VAR for that kind of middle-of-the-pack standing. So good stuff for Jackie Crawford there, putting the team on his back. Winner number two. Mm. Controversial. I'm going to go with Jack Doohan. Did you see that one coming, big boy? Not a fucking chance. Not a chance. How is Jack doing a winner? He scored 14 points for the weekend. This that is was not that great. His best weekend since Jeddah, Matthew. That's actually true. That is, that's a fair so shot. At the very least, it's a step in the right direction. His and second you know best weekend of the season. Difficult conditions, it must be said. Difficult conditions. And those are handy points in the feature. Two so. straight rounds where he's made double figure points. Yes. He, he's getting back to his best, slowly but surely. Hopefully this can be a, uh, a sign of things to come. And winner number three, I'm going to go with alternate strategies. We had lots of them this weekend, and it was goddamn fun. It gives us something to talk about. It gives us a bit of juice, you know, a bit of orange, a bit of mango maybe. Oh, I love a good mango juice. And, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. It, it just sparked conversation. So we love to see alternate strategies making their mark in the F2 weekend. Matthew, give me some winners of the weekend, sir. All right, winners of the weekend. Well... I'll start with that for me. For the fourth straight weekend, he was in that column in Baku, Monaco, Spain, and now Austria. Not saying he was my ultimate one this weekend, but for the fourth straight round, I think Vesti is a winner of the weekend. Despite getting outscored by direct competitor Ayumu Iwasa? 
Yes, absolutely, because he outscored the other two guys he is competing with, and he still extend. He now has a bigger lead in the championship than he did before the weekend. That's fair, but let's be honest. Teo Porcher is a joke um, and a meme, and will not be winning this category. Awasa is main competitor, and Awasa outscored him. By all of four points. That's You've tried to run these narratives before, Jashan, and they don't normally pay out in your favour. <laughs> it's journalism, Matthew. It's all about the narrative. That's that's the thing. Vesti, yes, he, he can have weekends, because as long as he keeps that, he's now on a streak. The last time... So Vesti, obviously, won the feature in Jeddah. He then failed to get on a podium, although he did finish fourth in the sprint. In, so, so, there you go. so did not score at all in Sakir since then. Won the feature in Jeddah. Finished fourth in the feature in Melbourne. Third place and fourth place in the sprint and feature respectively in Baku. Won the feature in Monte Carlo. Won the sprint in Barcelona and finished fifth in the feature. Didn't score any points in that weird Spielberg sprint race where we said the only championship contender who did was Bamman and then has finished P3. So he's Four, five, uh, what are we Four straight rounds with a podium in at least one of the races, and he's podiumed in five of the last six rounds with a P4 finish in the round that he didn't. Basically, if like if you scrapped, and obviously that, but if you scrapped Sakia, which was this weird outlier for Prema where they double failed to score, and that suddenly Porsche loses 32 points, which would put him almost 50 points, more than 50 points behind Vesti, and Awasa would lose another 9, which would put him over 30 behind Vesti. So since Jeddah, it's just been all Fred Vesti. Um, it's been very, very impressive. Uh, he's just got to keep up the consistency in this championship. I'm not. Gonna, it's definitely not his to lose yet, but he's got to be the favourite at this stage of the season. My next winner, I will go big easily, Richard Vashaw, feature race win. Could have been an absolute incredible weekend, because I think he was in an, oh, well, yeah, I was on the wet. He, he might have been a chance to sneak a sprint race point or something, but, you know, the speed in the sprint race. Actually, to be honest, I don't think the speed in the sprint race did much to him. He was on wet tyres, that just wasn't the strategy for it. Um, but yeah, feature race win. Don't know how that couldn't make him a winner for the weekend. Big ball of points. He's up to, as I said, P5 in the standings. And my last one, I'm going to go with Ollie Behrman because he got a decent bit out of a weekend that should have been a disaster for him. He had that nightmare in qualifying, qualifying P19, and yet he was able to come away with 11 points for the weekend, which is outscoring Porsche, outscored Hauger, my only just... Dropped two points to Martens, outscored Fittipaldi. So, really, there wasn't too many people in his sort of ballpark in the championship who actually did took points on him. And, like, I think Fred was only able to get four points on him. He dropped eight points on Awasa. Um, he, this should have been a weekend where he could have easily scored no points. And he's come away with a pretty good haul. So, yeah, Vesti, Behrman, and Vashore, my three winners. Not bad. Um, yeah, gained 14 places in the feature race, did Ollie Behrman. And another name who did that was, of course, Ayumu Owasa, uh, who I believe should be shouted out as a winner. You know, s- saved some uh, saved some points there on, on the feature race. and, and showed Oh, did all... you not mention Owasa in your winners? No. Oh, I just assumed you did. Otherwise, I probably would have mentioned it myself. 
Uh, yeah, and show remind us all of how how talented he can be with those sexy overtakes in the feature. He oh, is absolutely. A very He's a very man. very good driver. I think he definitely, irrespective of where he finishes in this championship, increasingly I do think he should probably be in. You know what? Yeah, I think I I. I think he should probably be in that AlphaTauri next season. For me, the question is whether or not the pairing is Sonoda and Owasa, or whether it is Owasa and a second driver. Lawson, baby. Be that Lawson or Zane Maloney who comes home really hot. But I think even if Zane Maloney does come home hot, I reckon you're better let him cook for a second year. So it's whether you also off uh, Yuki Sonoda in favour of Leah Lawson. But I do think... If Lawson wins that Super Formula Championship, though, it's going to be a very tough decision who they go with if they're keeping Sonoda. Agreed. I'm just looking up the standings now, but um, any other, I also had just um, Formula 2 as a winner of the weekend, probably the best racing we've seen in a while, quite frankly, in any category. I had Prema. I haven't actually checked to see if they did outscore their rivals this weekend, they but did. I'm assuming they did. They definitely did. Uh, yes, Prema took home 26 points compared to ART's 19, Dams is 19. So they once again extended their lead. That is now four straight weekends that they have scored more points than any of their rivals. It's not since Melbourne when Dam Leclerc was brilliant and Dams took home 49, 47 points. That and I believe they they might have outscored everybody in terms of relevant teams, because they were outscored by MP and Jess. So again, you take out Sakia, and oh, that's just so far. Sakia, we're going to look back on the Bahrain Grand Prix in terms of F2 this season as just the biggest outlier, because we're going to sit there and go, the team that won the championship, and I reckon at least one, if not two of the guys who finish in the top three, and I'd in mind the guy who wins the championship... We're going to look back and they're going to have scored a combined no points from the first weekend of the season to the point that, obviously, admittedly, jokingly, but, like, I did as my itch just one weekend take, go Prem's not going to score a point all season. Um, they've come back into form, brother. They've come surreal back to look back on. And our so preseason bizarre. prediction of Owasa versus Vetti for the title is looking nice and saucy. Greg was saucy. Uh, Liam Lawson is currently second in Super Formula, twelve mm, points behind it's, Lido. Oh, that's such a it's such a tight race for that seat. Ritomo Miyata, so Lawson doing pretty well. Uh, Kimoi Kobayashi is twelfth, and Chem Bologbashi is sixteenth out of eighteen drivers. Still ahead of Giuliano Alesi, though. So. <laughs> That's the kicker. Every week you're like, oh, but he's still ahead of Malaysia. And that's the one that gets me every week. Every time. Three races to go in Japanese oh, Super Formula. But Matthew, give me some losers of the weekend. All right. Been... Losers of the weekend. Let's go Clement Novelak. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Big uh, time. Heartbreaking. Should have had a podium. Instead, he's still only got one point scoring finish for the whole weekend. Uh, I'm going to go Fittipaldi. Because I think this was a weekend where, honestly, I'll make you the case that he was probably with inside the three quickest drivers under race conditions this weekend, and he's got not nearly enough points to show for it. He probably should have won the feature, the way things played out. He was in position to score points in the sprint. He did neither of those. Uh, not a great. And then to continue my narrative, I think... Um, I will go with Teo Porsche as a loser of the weekend yep. because, well, that's it. He was the only 
only championship contender who did not score double digit points. Um, and you know he scored f just very very low and just quickly having a look see here. Porsche. Oh, okay, so he's not not as bad as I thought. But this is a second straight weekend. I didn't have him as a loser in Spain, but this is a second straight weekend where he is not featured in my winners column. Which, when you're a championship contender, and when your biggest championship rival, as I said, is on four straight races of being in that winner column, mm -hmm. and you've got someone like Oli Bearman, who has been in the winner column three of the last four races, including two of the last four feature race wins, you just can't afford to be having lackluster weekends, as yep. Porsche has kind of been doing the last couple of rounds. Because, yeah, like, the other three... Vestian, Vesti is looking like the most consistent driver on this grid. Behrman is starting to look like the hottest driver on the grid in terms of just his raw speed. And then you've got Owasa who can pull out a brilliant drive at any second. And, yeah, Teo's just not showing... I mean, here's the thing. He has four podiums. He's been on four feature race podiums, including that win in Bahrain. But he's just, I don't know, he seems to have cooled off again a little. We saw this last season as well, didn't we? For a while there, he was really on with Dragovic. And then he just seemed to cool off. And then obviously the luck just disappeared. But he was, even before that, it felt like he was cooling off a bit. And it was really Dragovic starting to stamp home. And it feels like we're in that period now. Vesti keeps just getting those consistent Dragovic results. Porsche is cooling off. But this year, I don't even, I'm not even convinced he's going to P2. If Awasa can keep having these bangers and like, I feel so confident. I I still would not be shocked if Behrman scores more points than anyone else in the standings from here to the rest of the season. I'm just not convinced he'll score 46 more of them than his teammate does. Yeah. I don't know whether Porsche will finish P2. He might not finish P top top three. And which again, it basically yeah, question marks on whether Teo actually advances into Formula One. Big time. He just doesn't like a player break. He does not like a break at all. He always comes back a little bit shit. Uh, one more loser? No, that was my three. That was your three? Uh, all right. Leclerc, um, Fittipaldi. No, sorry. Novelak, Fittipaldi. Yeah, right. Porsche. Of course. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll, I'll drop in some bad boys here. Campos. No <laughs> points over the yep. weekend. Uh, Miney now two straight races with double donuts. Boshong has had five straight races with no points. Um... Uh, races or rounds? Uh, so rounds, rounds. Five straight. He hasn't scored. So here, wait, has he not scored points since Bahrain? Since Saudi Arabia, yes. Oh, sorry, Saudi. Oh yeah, yeah. We have had five rounds since Saudi. Yep. Oh, uh, remember when we finished Saudi Arabia? And he hasn't scored points since the spring. He scored three races into the season. Championship leader hasn't scored a point. Eleven straight races for Ralph Bosher. Oh, that's not great. Brutal stuff. Um, yeah, I also had Novelak written down. I also had Teo Porcher written down. And I'm gonna go with Arthur Leclerc. I had him written down. The Monegasque. Um, showed showing some good pace, but alas, some yeah that 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 wheel moment not ideal for Arthur Leclerc. You hate to see it, and and yeah, didn't didn't get major points this weekend, which is a shame for. The Monegasque driver. This is a guy who I, 
kind of like in the second middle, the, the middle portion of the season, there were a couple of races there where we thought, all right, this guy's got some talent. This guy's proving himself here in, in Formula 2. But since then, he has scored three points in eight races. So really slowed down has Arthur. And finally, I'll do non-point scorers. The three men. Brad Benavides, Amori Cordiel, and Roy Nassani yet to score a point this season. Shaking my head. Ooh, I, sh- I don't, I didn't, but I should have had Cordiel written down. I think a qualifying position inside the point scoring places in P7, which meant he started in a point scoring place in the sprint. Yeah, and again, no, no points at all for it. I'm more than comfortable saying Cordiel is a firm loser of the weekend. He needs to. He just needs to convert one of these. Oh, as soon as he converts one of them, then heck, he'll, he'll probably go on another fucking hot streak. But he just needs—he needs to convert one of these. That's two straight weeks he's been in positions where he could have picked up points, and he's not. Indeed. Uh, also had um, Jay Hunter Ruvel have written down. Um, yeah, Bama. I had Dennis Hauger. Yes, MP. I guess you could just write down MP. Yeah, no good. But um. Yeah, anything else to touch on before we finish um, things up? I don't, I don't think so. Um, Britain, Britain this weekend. Which, Indeed. Uh, <laughs> I wish they'd slow down. You can't just be having back to double headers during Tour de France season. It's just, it's just not on. Life it's never just, slows down, Matthew. It's on you to keep up, brother. It's just not cricket. It. Um, and I'm truly horror terrified that I'm pretty sure. Yep, it's a, it's a triple weekend. There is F three of this. I think there's triple weekends. All the way through this next stretch, there is all four races in July. Uh, Budapest and Spa also have uh, F3 before they then go on one of those weird big breaks you get in the junior category. They race at Spa at the end of July and then do not race in August before Monza for the championship finale. But yeah, all four race weekends this month are triple, triple weekends. <laughs> A lot of motorsport for me to consume at, again, the same time that the Tour de France is on and the Women's World Cup is around the corner. So, you know, we it, it's fun. It's good stuff. Hey, there's a two-week break between the Hungarian... Uh, sorry, the British Grand Prix and the Hungarian Grand Prix. That will be a godsend. I, I will be forward looking to forward that. to one weekend off. And there's a month break between the Belgian Grand Prix and the Dutch Grand Prix. So we can look yes. forward to that as well. Uh, but yeah, Silverstone's coming up. Do you have uh, feature race predictions for me, big boy? You know what? I do. I'm going to just have a little bit of a think here. Um, I know what? It's been... Uh, it's time for the pattern. Mm. So, um, Ollie Behrman is currently winning every second race of the category now. Madness. Uh, so, I will take Ollie Behrman to win the feature. I will take Porsche in P2, because Lord knows if he doesn't get it this weekend, I'm just about ready to declare his championship over. Yep. Uh, Fred Vesti will be on the podium because it's Fred Vesti. He'll, He's going for the safe and secure option. What a man! I don't think Porsche and P2 is the safe and secure option. <laughs> but yes, I'm going for a little bit dull. I'm going Bam and Porsche and Vesti. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Because we don't have any Brits on the green. We have all of the Bamman, brother. Oh, well, sorry, but you're true. Who oh, I've got winning. There you go. I've even picked the hometown winner. Yes, you have. Right. I was just like, oh, let me find the Brit to give him the win. I already gave it to him. Yeah, exactly. Too good at my job, and I just can't keep up with myself. <laughs> you hate to see it. Uh, yeah, I... Oh, uh, Silverstone, it's 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 a good track. It's got some uh, high-speed corners. It's got some nice moments. Uh, lots of opportunities for overtakes, and the best overtaker in the category is Ayuma Wawasa. So he will win. Guarantee it. 
nail it down, write it down, put it in your notepads. I am being very biased with my predictions. P2 will be the hometown hero, Oliver Behrman, coming home strong and doing the, the Union Jack proud. And P3, I'm going for a swerve. I'm going for a Kush Mighty comeback. Oh, yeah. Let's go, I'll boys. Just, I, I've got a vibe that Maloney could have a really good weekend. I would love that to happen. I love myself some um, big But yeah, I, I will also say, I think Silverstone, particularly in terms of F2 and just race that, Silverstone might be the weekend I'm most excited for on the whole calendar. It's just... It's always a really good one. Monzo will be another one that will be a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, Spa should be really good too. We just, again, we're now in that straight, and like pretty much every round of this category, with the exception of Monaco, which was oh, a drag, um, has been good fun in that. We're now we're really into that stretch of the calendar. Austria normally always delivers. It was pretty good. Silverstone is normally like banger central for this category. Budapest home of my all-time favorite race to talk about, that race that Robert Smortzman won from P11, charging through the field. i that story times. many times. Spa is normally always great. Sam Vaught and Monza will be great. And then, you know, Yas Marina, particularly if the championship comes down to the wire, Yas Marina is always good fun. Damn straight. It's good times for Formula 2, and that brings us to the... <laughs> I just realized we've got two months off between Monza and Yas I hate that they have to end the F2 season on the same weekend as the F1 season, but they're like, yep, we're not going to have any other rounds outside of Europe. So it's like Monza, and then it's, all right, boys, see you in two months for Yas Marina. Shout out to that COVID season where we had like (laughs) three two-month breaks. Uh, Good times. Uh, it It just, it genuinely does kind of take you out of it. You get in this real, like by the end of Spa... I feel like we're going to be in a real good groove. I feel like really good. We'll be able to really well remember everything that even happened in Austria. We'll be so on top of it. By the time you roll around to Yas Marina, you're like, oh, there'll just complete, be yeah. so many obscure... A, you'll feel like way out of it, and it'll be so... Because it's the last round as well. You kind of already just checked out of being into it. There'll be so many like obscure bits you look back on and be like, oh, fucking A, I forgot he did that in that race. That's bizarre. That's, that's weird, but yeah. It's a fresh anyway, let's, break. Let's wrap it up. Sorry. Big ol' break. And speaking of breaks, we've got to break up this podcast. This has been F2 for you. It's been a bit of a banger. I'm not going to lie. Me? Sorry. Are you are you, are you Shayna Baszlering me right now? Are you breaking up this podcast? <laughs> Fucking hell, mate. It was a good segue. Get off my dick. Jesus. I know, and then I made a good reference. Get Let off me mine. hit my vape. All right. Um, yes, I've been your host, Jashan. I have had an absolute blast. I'm off to have dinner with my roommates shortly. Matthew, how have you been? Cute. Yeah, I've been pretty good. Fuck yeah. All right. And with that, this has been F2 for you. This is, this is, well, they need the, they've got the size disadvantage. They normally use the numbers. But. Well, a la real life, I'm sure the magpie will come close to winning, but lose it in the final moment. <laughs> <laughs>